Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. We are going to be having our weekly conversation with Cokie Riley about LSU football. Lots of exciting stuff there for the Tigers. And, you know, you're playing a game this weekend that was scheduled as a win. UAB in recent years been a pretty good team. I mean, they're not like, um, you know, it's not like some of the games Alabama plays where they're playing teams that, were, that have absolutely no chance of beating them. But um, it, 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 this, uh, you know, LSU obviously is supposed to win and everybody thinks they're going to win. I, I'm just saying this isn't like a 50 to nothing kind of game. They, they normally play, I haven't, I didn't see them play this year, but, you know, in recent years, they've been a pretty good defensive club okay offensively not extra explosive on offense but they're they're, they're a pretty good uh mid-major program so it uh, I would say above average in recent years but still obviously it's LSU and they, they're supposed to win so we'll be talking with him about 10 9 15 I should say and then at 10 15 more high school football again coach Zach Lockard of the um Brobridge Tigers, huge win. One of the biggest upsets in the state, at least number-wise for sure. 28 seed going up to Monroe, a five seed and winning, and they will host Iota on Friday night. So want to get caught up with um, Coach Lockhart and see how uh, the, the, the Tigers were able to do that. And, you know, what an interesting first season. First year as a head coach. You know, if you remember, he's got some ex- Trev Pat and Tyrell Finroy, ex Cajuns on the staff, and um, it will be quite a. Um, you know, it, I'm sure they had a lot of fun, a lot of newness, transition, and so we'll be talking about that in the ten o'clock hour. Other than that, phone lines will be open if you would like to talk about Saints or baseball or high school football, or whatever. Cajuns. Cajuns will be playing at Florida State. We talked with Cody yesterday. Cajun basketball. Off to a really nice 3-0 start. Uh, You know, high expectations coming in with the team being picked to win the Sunbelt Conference. And in the preseason poll by the coaches, and then they're off to a 3-0 start, and they're hosting Louisiana Tech on Thursday. Really nice Mid-November game, early in the season, it's a it's a it's a team that and a program that, for the most part, since Coach Marlin's been here, they have played very well again. Now, they haven't won every game, but but they've they've it, it's been a nice series for the Cajuns since Coach Marlin got here. They've had some really nice wins, and you know they've lost some, a few, but it, it's. Uh, it, it you know it, it's been a great series for my lifetime and in before and it, it's been it's been mostly the Cajuns have played pretty well against them over the years so looking forward to seeing that one and we're gonna talk to Coach Mike Murphy who we did have been doing in recent years uh, 
he does a great job, and we have fun, and he can tell us about the, the hot start for the Cajuns. We'll be talking to Coach Murphy on Thursday. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Some transactions to discuss. One, the Saints have signed David Johnson to the practice squad. Now, again, I don't want to seem... You know, David Johnson came in like June or July. Maybe late June, maybe early July. I forget it when. But sometimes during the summer. And they took a look at him and they didn't sign him. I'm uh, not real high on David Johnson. He's kind of a washed-up player, but I don't know. Is he an NFL running back? I, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I haven't been real picky. I just need an NFL running back. But I look at David Johnson, I, that's not what they need. Like, I need somebody that can run downhill. Now, yesterday they released Gore and Howard. So I guess the ser- I guess the 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 st- what that means, at least what people are guessing, is that Superman's about to come back. I mean, I, you know, if he's healthy, it's fine. I, he does run downhill. I mean, he Superman, you know, he's been he has not looked good at all this year. Now he's had a couple good series here and there, but overall has not looked good. Um, but he is a downhill runner. Hopefully that will help. Uh and they can and they can utilize him some. Uh we'll see how how that plays out. Um, but he is you know, David. I mean, I don't think I don't expect David Johnson to play, so I don't think that's going to do anything. But it did happen. On the baseball side of things, the Yankees sign Anthony Rizzo, seventeen million a year. If I said yesterday that I don't know that I was buying the these reports that we keep hearing that that the Astros are hot after Rizzo and hot after Contreras. I mean, if they sign either one of them, I wouldn't be upset, but I I would, I don't know. um, I don't, I don't really know what to believe. Obviously they're not going to resign Rizzo because he resigned with the Yankees. But again, click went after Contreras had a deal in place and it was nixed. So, Click is no longer here, so they're going to go do something that Click had agreed to do, and the and the and other parties, Crane and or Dusty, didn't want. So I, I don't I don't know that I, I don't know all that's adding up in my mind. As far as Rizzo, I, I, I've always really liked him. He's getting a little up in age. He's thirty three now. He's got probably a couple years left if he stays healthy. But the thing about Rizzo is this: I I don't I wouldn't want to pay him seventeen million a year. Anthony Rizzo hit 224 last year. Yuli hit 242. Now, he plays, you know, he's a left-handed hitter and he's got that low porch and so he he's he took advantage of that. Uh he had 32 homers but only drove in 75 runs. He had 21 doubles. He had 53 extra base hits. Yuli had 48 extra base hits. Now Yuli had 40 doubles and 8 homers. He didn't hit as many homers. But he only had five fewer extra base hit, extra base hits. Uh, Yuli only drove in fifty three. 
And, and um, because of the homers, Rizzo drove in 75. You know, I, I don't – I wouldn't – I wouldn't – I would not mind having Rizzo on my team, but I wouldn't want to pay him $17 million. Now, I don't know what the Astros are going to do with Yuli. I mean, he's 38 years old. He's going to be 39 in June, next June. Um, He looked largely washed up this season, and yet he hit down the stretch, and he's excellent defensively. So, and, and Dusty loves him. So, you know, is all this talk about Rizzo and uh, – you know, Bell, Josh Bell, who there were talk about Josh Bell at the trade deadline. That didn't happen. You just, I, I'm saying all these reports that we keep hearing, I wonder how true they are. They, I, I was very skeptical about them um, from the beginning. And then, you know, Riz, you know, I don't blame Rizzo for signing for $17 million. I, I don't. I wouldn't want to pay him $17 million. I'd like to have him. Fine. Uh, like again, I've always liked him. He's real good defensively. Seems like a good clubhouse guy. I would have no problem having Rizzo on the Astros, but not. I wouldn't want to pay him seventeen million. No. Um, but now maybe he's going to do a lot better next year. Hit a lot better in two twenty four and drive in a run without hitting a homer. But we'll see how that plays out. Just something to keep an eye on. Um, I just don't I, – I, again, I would be skeptical on some of these reports that we're hearing about who the Astros are going after because it, it doesn't seem to add up with what we've been told anyway about how last season went. Now, because someone, because they didn't want to necessarily make a trade at the trade deadline last year, does it necessarily mean they wouldn't like that guy now, I guess? I guess that, 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 that's, that, that's, that could be the case. Uh, we'll we'll just kind of wait and see on that. Um, so, again, lots to discuss. Will be all these different sports are colliding, and the weather is still freezing to death. I I don't I know some of you like this cold weather stuff. I just cannot stand it. I just do not like it. But we certainly don't get a fold in that. So it 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 is what it is, and so we'll uh. We'll, we'll, we'll learn to deal with it. Football players probably like it, I would think. Uh, this is the time of the year that you want to play, especially at the high school level. You want to play guys, your best players, that don't hardly ever play both ways during the course of the regular season, especially in the really hot months of September, well, late August in a jamboree, or September, October. Once you get into November and it's cold, then you probably – you know, you it, you know you could play some of your better players, not full time, but here and there, you could play some of your better players um, on both sides because it's not so hot outside. And so, I guess from that point of view, that there's probably some coaches that that like it. But you know, it's we're starting to sniff Thanksgiving, so the fact that the weather's a little cooler is not that out of line. I guess I just don't happen to like it very much. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, shift gears, talk LSU football with Cokie Riley next on the game. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foot. On the game before we get to Koki, want to remind you, Lyle Lovett and the Acoustic Group are coming to the Hyman Performing Arts Center on Friday, February 24th. You don't want to miss this night of live music. Pre-sale tickets go on sale today. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and use the pre-sale code Lyle. Once again, pre-sale tickets go on sale today for Lyle Lovett and his acoustic group at the Hyman Performing Arts Center. Visit Ticketmaster and use the pre-sale code Lyle. L-Y-L-E. All right. We have with us Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. How are you, sir? Doing great. How's it going, Kevin? Well, things got a little more interesting since we spoke last week. Obviously, I think... I think I misread and underrated how big of a challenge or the letdown and how good Arkansas was going to perform. That game was a lot scarier than maybe some of us thought, but LSU was able to pull it out, and some things around the country changed. So do you feel even more likely or a little less likely based on everything that's going on around the country about LSU's chances of sneaking in here? Um, I, I feel roughly the same, to be honest. Um I had a feeling that the Arkansas game could be tough, uh, for sure. And I, I think the, you know, the, there were the temperatures, it was the fact it was a road game, it was the fact it was a rivalry game, it was the fact that Arkansas, um, you know, that's a prideful team that was definitely going to play hard after that livery loss. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole litany of reasons. Um, and if Katie Jefferson played, you could have definitely argued and actually they probably would have won that game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I also I, I won't say they got lucky. I mean, they have Harold Perkins. That's <laughs> that's the reason why they won that game. Um, and you know, it, he's just such an incredible athlete and an incredible uh, football player. Um, but but yeah, I, I feel roughly the same. Just because I, I, I don't know, I, I feel like the offense is a little is definitely better than what they showed against Arkansas and. Um, I think they'll still probably win the next two games. I don't think the, this week's result changes that too much. And um, and I think again, I think everything comes. There's things happen around the country. You know, Oregon loses what and what and whatnot, but they they have to beat Georgia if they want to even have a chance. Um, and their chances will be very very good, if not very likely that they'll make the playoff if that happens. But they still have to beat them. So Right. I mean, you're just trying to – yeah, all of these discussions that we're having now are just trying to get you in position for that game to mean that much. And so we'll see now. So, you know, you felt good when Oregon lost, but TCU won. When I think, I'm sure there were some people that think that TCU, that their run's going to end pretty soon, but they did leap another hurdle. Now they got another big one this weekend at Baylor. But – is USC now even more of a threat than even Oregon was? I, I don't think so. Just because USC has a has does not have a very good defense and is playing some very good offenses moving forward, they're 
sort of like Oregon, their schedule is getting tougher as the year goes on. Uh, they have UCLA this week. That's not going to be easy. They have Notre Dame to finish out the year. They have whoever um, they play in the Pac-12 championship game after that, even if they win those two games. So they're going to have three at least slightly difficult games, um, games that are they, they, they simply they just finish, finish out the season harder than what the rest of their schedule has been so far. Um, where it's really only they've really only played Oregon State and Utah um, as their only real challenges, to be honest. Uh, but the UCLA game's gonna be it, that's gonna be tough for them, and then the Pac-12 championship game that's gonna be tough for them, and even Notre Dame could be tough for them. Notre Dame beat Clemson, so um, it's not easy for USC the rest of the way. My guess is they're I'd be pretty surprised if they don't lose once. Uh, All right, but 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 if USC runs the table, who is it that they potentially could knock out from what you know? Just speculating. Um, honestly, I, I don't know if I would definitely put them ahead of ahead of LSU if they went out. Um, it, it, but it, I mean. It doesn't really matter for LSU because again, it all comes that down to the Georgia game. Right. If I mean, obviously, lose, they'll, they'll we're we're assuming USC. if they win, they'll still stay ahead of USC, even if USC runs the table. So, um, I guess maybe maybe they could hop a one loss TCU if that happened. Um, but we'll see. Oh, I think yeah, I think I think that they would definitely do that. All right, so. Um, you know, I, I I guess this UAB game comes at a good time. How, how do you look at this game? Went you know with LSU now up to what six, and they and they just kind of had survived the letdown game, and now here's another one of these kind of games. Yeah, um, UAB is a very talented team that should probably have a better record than what it is, what it has. Uh, very talented uh, for a five team, at least. At least in my opinion, Dave Dwayne McBride, one of the best running backs in the nation. Um, I, I'm not saying that, that that that's because they're going to actually win this game. I, I'm just saying that because I think this is more of a challenge than New Mexico or or Southern was. Uh, if we want to compare that to the other Group of Five uh, games that else Group of Five, I mean non-Power Five games that LSU's played right played in so far. So um, yeah, I, I I think that uh, it's not going to be terribly easy for them to. Terribly easy, terribly easy for them to take this one, um, but you know it's it's again like it's it's all it, this season and this team. It's all about you know stacking weeks, right? Um, it, they're not at the point where Georgia is right now, where every game feels like an automatic win unless you're playing one of the one of the three to four best teams in the country. Um, you saw that with the Arkansas game, just how close that was. And the fact that this team can build any sort of consistency with some of the roster holes that they have, maybe not roster holes, but like lack of roster depth they have at a lot of, at a lot of spots. And um, some of the, some of the fragility they just have with this roster in general. Um, It's, it's pretty remarkable. And I, I just don't want that point to get lost because, LSU's probably going to go ten and two in regular season, and that's that's pretty incredible if you think about it, all the factors surrounding around this program. I mean, they had thirty nine scholarship players heading into the Kansas State game when when Brian Kelly had just taken over. Yes, that's it's it turned that around into a ten and two season in the U.S. Championship and it took the SEC Championship game in year one. That's 
that's pretty wild. Like Texas A&M has never made the, the SEC championship game. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like they're not, they're probably not going to make We talked about the playoffs, but that's probably not going to happen. I would be pretty surprised if it did um, uh, just because Georgia's so good. Uh, but and you, I, I think it. I think the season should be wi- widely celebrated, regardless of what happens in these next few weeks. Well, now you mentioned UAB. They're they're five and five, three and four in, in in their conference, and they have been a little better than that in recent years. But is this a game? Like, how many guys from what you can just kind of gather? Might they not play because they're maybe if they were playing Alabama, they'd play, but they might not play against UAB just to kind of sustain the team and try to get as healthy as possible. Or is that a little too tricky right now? Um, that's a, that's a pretty good question because LSU has done that. Um, as we saw with BJ Ojalary and a few others. Um, right now, LSU is pretty healthy, so I'm not a I'm actually not 100 percent sure if if. If anyone, I'm just trying to think of um, maybe maybe they'll hold out Brian Thomas since he was out last week with a concussion. Uh, John Emery Jr. Apparently he 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 left limping the last game, but apparently he's fine. It was just a bruise on his knee. Um, so I, I guess that that's good news. So my guess is he'll play at least a decent bit. Uh, guys. Uh, particularly in the offensive line, they haven't done like a ton of rotating there. Maybe Garrett Dellinger gets more reps just to uh, break more of a sweat, you know, stuff like that. Um, if they take a you know big enough, good enough of a lead, and I, this is going to be a game where they're going to want to test out some of the younger guys and sort of see where uh, their their heads are at uh, toward the toward the end of the season. Because the last time we've seen some of these guys, or for example, like a Garrett Nussmeyer, um was at the beginning of the year, uh, say for those first few, for, for those few snaps at Auburn. So uh, that's a pretty good question, though. Right. So, like it, you know, if they can jump out, you know, twenty-one nothing in the second quarter or whatever, twenty-four nothing, and get a pretty good lead, mm-hmm. especially at quarterback, do you do you play him just in case something happens? So you you've got a little snaps. I mean, uh, seem like not just at quarterback, but that could be the case at a couple other spots. Just in yeah. case, get guys experience in a game like this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, this is going to sound weird, but I think defensive tackle is another spot where that could be the case. Uh, I mean, they it's Wingo, Guillory, and Roy. It's really been only those three for basically the entire season since Mason Smith's gone out. So they're pretty light at defensive tackle. Maybe they want to try a guy like Tyke Hill there just to. Um, just to give those guys a breather, you know. Um, maybe, maybe we see a little bit of Dustin Little. I, I, I'm, I'm purely speculating, right? Um, but it's just, you know, guys to rotate in just to see what you have, what the, what's still there, um, see how hard they play, even if the score doesn't indicate that they should play very hard. Um, all, all that sort of stuff. Like, how much have they improved since the last time LSU's gotten to play there? I guess garbage, garbage time players, um, which I might, which I my guess is it hasn't been really been since the Tennessee game um, in the fourth quarter when they started playing some of those guys on, on defense at least. So um, yeah, it, it's been a while, but uh, this is a potentially could be a good game to to do that. But um, you know, UAB, it, it, it's a, they're, they're they've had a strange season. They've lost so many close games. 
And I'm not saying that this game's definitely going to be close, but I I wouldn't be stunned if it's a two-score game by the fourth quarter. No, know? I, I get that. Um, I, I think that's possible. Okay. Yeah, this isn't 50 to nothing. It's not one of those kind of no, games. I, 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 game. I, I, I certainly agree happen. with you there, yes. All right, so is there any area of the team, it seemed like they've kind of, you know, there were plenty of question marks a month into this, but – is there any area of the team where you still say, man, if they're going to really make a run at this, they're going to have to get better here? I mean, it seems like they've kind of answered most of those questions. I just think more consistency in the passing game, more consistency on offense. Um, they're still I, – I, I just feel like they're, they're still on a case – like that Arkansas game just sort of showed it. Like they're not they're, – they're still not fully there on offense. Um especially when it comes to the passing game, Daniels' decisiveness sort of disappeared again in that Arkansas game. Uh, their run games become really consistent. Uh, I think their offensive line play, for the most part, is pretty good, uh, despite the fact that Daniels was sacked seven times. I think it was mostly because he just held on to the ball for way too long and refused to throw it away, refused to um, you know, get to his check down quick enough. All, all that sort of stuff uh, was, was mostly why he kept on getting sacked in that game. Um, then defensively, I, I don't really have a lot of notes. <laughs> there, when you have a guy like Harold Perkins that can even take away so many so many potential mistakes on defense, and I, I mean they only gave up ten points last week, so and and they did a really good job of of uh, making life difficult on Alabama, and they did a really really good job of shutting down Ole Miss after that first quarter. So uh, as long as they're aggressive, they play well. Anytime that this team kind of plays passively or sort of overthinks it schematically. They don't play well defensively, but when they're playing downhill, especially against the run, uh, this is a very tough defense to score points on. Um, but it really just comes down to offensive consistency and, and Daniels being decisive in the pocket. Um, so I, I think that's, I think that's where if you're looking for like a real flaw, I, I think that's that. And, and also, just on roster wise, there there are spots where if an injury happens here or a couple injuries happen there, then they could be in trouble just because they just they, they simply don't have a lot of roster depth on this team. I mean, they don't have they don't they, they're not up to the eighty five scholarship players that you want on your roster. That's going to change next year, but for now that's where they're at. You know, and, and I tend to agree with what you said about the offense, but I I kind of chalk the thirteen points up a little more to what you said about Arkansas playing with pride and it being a letdown game. I I don't know that that's a serious cause for concern. I think sometimes, like you say, you got to give the other team and the and you got to respect the circumstances and the and the letdown things. Th- th- those factors are real in, in in football. Yeah, yeah, I I I I, I think it's a combination of the, of those things. Um, just because I saw Arkansas played extremely well. They were really well coached in that game. Schematically, they did some things that um, threw LSU's offense off of it. But LSU offense, I think I just say that stuff because I, I just think it's a bit fragile, that LSU offense, right? Um, because we've had more – if you look at the season overall, there are more games of evidence in which they've, they have not performed up to the standards that they should be. Than, they, than them, you know, breaking through the glass ceiling and playing extremely well. Like, even in the Alabama game, they were not very good in that first half, um, the offense, that is. And uh, in the Ole Miss game, it took them a few quarters for them to, for get, for them to get the offense going. Um, we've been positive about this offense the last few weeks because the end result was very good, but it's not like they dominated the game consistently, even in the games where 
Um, they, they have scored a lot of points with the exception of being the Florida game. So uh, I, I, it, it, it's, it's really, and you're going to need a talk about a consistent offense. You're going to need that against Georgia because Georgia's the best team in the country. Well, uh, you're not so, going to have consistent offense against Georgia. Yeah, the only way to win yeah, that well, game you know is for I mean. it to you be this low-scoring. Yeah, right. You can't have anything half as bad as the Arkansas performance against Georgia, or you're going to lose. Um, it, that's just the it's just the reality of it. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I just feel like this offense is fragile, and I, and I feel like that's that's definitely safe to say, given sort of the inconsistent play of Daniels at points this season and um, how young their offensive line is, and some other right. some other factors. But I've got to say that run game's been really consistent. That traditional run game, Josh Williams has really stepped up to be yeah, that number that, one back. I, I think I think that's really been impressive how much that has improved. Well, I appreciate your time as always, sir. We'll see what happens in this game. Talk again next week. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much again, Kevin. All right, Koki Riley. I think personally, from and again, I'm no LSU expert, but I think the offense, yeah, it's been inconsistent, but I think it's been better than. I thought it was going to be this year based on everything I knew and everything I heard from people who know a whole lot more about LSU in the preseason. I I think they've done a great job there. We will, uh, progressing, we will take a timeout, come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Kevin Foote, an award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host. And a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the host bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706 Want to remind you, tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show. It takes place from Maplewood Burgers, located 4453 on Nelson Road in Lake Charles. The Coaches Show is brought to you by Maplewood Burgers, line of bed out of Westlake and Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Our friend Jim Gazzolo will be talking cage, I mean, uh, Cowboys football with McNeese State. Coach Gary Goff and uh, the Cowboys are one, two in a row. Look, it's just fun to win. Doesn't matter how many wins you have on the year. Like if the Saints beat the Rams Sunday, I'm going to be, I'm, it's going to be a glorious Monday morning. No matter how, whether it's fun to win and they've won a couple in a row, got a chance to win a third. So we'll see uh, what happens in the progress with McNeese State football. Again, the McNeese Coaches Show tonight from 6 to 7, and you can hear it right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. 
I, uh, you know, we're waiting to see, or I don't know that we're going to get word. They might do the silly, you know, let's wait till game time and play the little coy game with the with the defensive coaches of the Rams. Does, you know, is it going to be Jameis? Is it going to be Dalton? And those two are fairly different. They're both technically pocket passers, so it's not like a runner versus a, a passer. Uh, both, neither one of them are runners, but but the way they throw the ball, you would think is fairly different. You would think that the pass patterns that Andy's the best at are not the necessarily the ba- the pass patterns that Jameis would be the best at, and vice versa. So, I would think it'd be a little different. So they might play those games. We'll wait and see. But speaking of quarterbacks, want to just update you on our QW. Uh, chart or whatever you want to call it that we've been doing all year long. Last week, two weeks ago, there were only two games where the quarterbacks were kind of all on the same level. I like it better that way because it, te- it it's a little more telling. Uh, well, this week it wasn't that way. There were six games where the quarterbacks were really about the same. And so, you know, it is what it is. I mean, uh, you know, um, we didn't know how this would work out when we started this back in way back in week one. But was not a good week for the QWs. I got to tell you, only three of the games that the quarterback at a higher level, the, a superior quarterback won. There were five games where the, an inferior quarterback won the, his team won the game. And there were six meetings where they were really a, the same. So same level of quarterback. And so it doesn't matter who, who won the game. So that's three, five, and six. Not a good week for the QWs. Um, and for those of you who may not know what's going on here, QW means quarterback worshiper. And I started this because I'm just OD'd on this whole idea that most of the country has that football is not a team game and it's all about how good your quarterback is. So I said, okay, well, let's look at this from a game to game basis. So the, the update, the updated totals 53 times this year in the NFL, did the team with a, a clearly superior quarterback, um, one, 42 times a team with the inferior quarterback won, and 52 times where the two teams were, they, you had roughly the same you know, level of quarterback playing. And at that point, it really does become about the team. And not, not a majority. Again, if it was an election, you wouldn't be calling this. And so I think if it stays this way for the rest of the way, I think that's a pretty good argument that football's a team game. And again, most of us, I think most of you, if you ask that question, football's a team game, yeah, but they but but the way that everyone speaks and the media speaks, it's all about the quarterback. That's all they talk about. The quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback. And it's not as much about as much about the quarterback as I think the most of the the national narrative is and uh, that's why I decided to do that. And so far, it's kind of played out that way. And we'll see what happens down the stretch and even into the playoffs. And we might even get a little more specific when it gets to the playoffs. But we'll see how that plays out. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 if you would like to get in. Um, I think, um, you know, would UAB beat A&M right now? I don't know. How good is A&M? 
You say, well, this is going to be another game where, you know, LSU should win big. I mean, I think I heard in the break that LSU's about a two-touchdown favorite. Or is LSU going to be a two-touchdown favorite against A&M? Like, if they score a bunch of points on UAB, just saying, or they, what is the spread going to be for the, for the Aggies game? Might be about two touchdowns. <laughs> Might be. Um, you know, to Cokie's point, you want to, you know, develop. You hope one of these two games is an above-average offensive game just to have some rhythm. But, again, I made the comment when Cokie brought up the Georgia game. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about shocking. I mean, not too many teams just score a ton of points on Georgia. So I, I would think if LSU beats Georgia, it's going to have to be like 13 to 10. Now, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I can't see LSU beating Georgia 32-31 kind of a game like that. You know, I, I just I, I can't see that. I can't see it being where they're going to put up 40 on Georgia. I, I don't think that's going to happen. So, I mean, I think if you beat Georgia, it's going to have to be a game where you get some turnovers. You do a, you, you get a few turnover on downs. Uh, you get a missed field goal, which doesn't, you know, George's really good at that part of the game normally. And you win 13 to 10 or 16 to 13. I, I think it's going to have to be an ugly game. Of course, again, that's, you know, three weeks away. It's, we're not there yet. I get it. But, um, so you, I think if you're, um, man, I'm getting a, a trade alert here. But to finish my point, I think if you're, I think sometime whether it's a And M game or this game, you kind of hope LSU can have a pretty big offensive game. We'll see how that plays out. Trade alert: Major League Baseball. I just saw the Toronto Blue Jays traded ex-Astro Tiasca Hernandez to the Seattle Mariners. He's an outfielder. He had a fabulous year two years ago. Not as not too good of a year this year. Uh, had some injuries. Does that mean who does that mean they're down on? Like Hanniger's there? Are they down? I mean, I can see how they would be down a Winker. He didn't have a good year. I don't know. I'm a little surprised. I, I thought they had enough outfielders. Um, he also could be a DH. Um, but they kind of have that. I guess you can never have enough good players, but I, I, I wouldn't have considered uh, an outfield to be a major um, unless they're ditching on Jerry Kellenick, which I don't I don't blame them for. I think Jerry Kellenick is highly, highly, highly overrated. But anyway, just a little baseball trade wanted to let people know about. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Hey, um, I, I want to make, like, I want to give the Saints some advice. <clears throat> Anytime they think about trading a player or releasing a player, and if the Eagles come calling, they need to find that dude. You know, <laughs> um, it's kind of like I say about the Rays. So, if the Rays call you about a player if he's not starting, start him, and if he's hitting at the bottom of the lineup, move him up. So, like, I, I want to ask you. You know, you might know. I don't know. Who's the greatest player that we've ever gotten from the Eagles? It, you know, you think about it, whatever. That was an ex-Eagle? 
that was an ex-Eagle. I'm going to have to like, think about my, that. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins don't count, you know. <laughs> but um, He doesn't count? Well, I mean, he was with us, then he went to the Eagles. Right, back. yeah. I mean, I guess... I guess you could count I, I, that. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna, I'm know. gonna have to think about that. It's a good question. I mean, I don't, um, I don't remember us. I mean, there, there isn't one or two or three that just boom come right off, come right off, you know, to mind. But yeah. I'll, I'll have to think. I'll, I'll try to think about that. Yes, sir. Because it seems like they just, you know, whenever we deal with the Eagles, we get the short end of the stick. You know, I, I, I think just like uh, enough dealing with the Eagles, please. Anyways, that's all. That's all I had to say. All right, appreciate yeah, it. Thank Thanks. You. We'll try to brainstorm that. I don't. I, I got to tell you, I don't remember a lot of ex Eagles. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm forgetting someone. All right, let's get one more in before we have to take our next time out. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. Hey, I had a question. I heard that yesterday the podcast or what you were talking about with the Astros, but um, nobody really talked about the catcher position. I read that they were going after Wilson Contreras for the Cubs. What is the Astros? What are they going to do with the catcher position? And I also heard Brantley might be coming back too. Well, Brantley, uh, you know, I, re- I think they like him and he like they and he likes the Astros. The problem is how healthy is he going to be? And Brantley is an okay outfielder but he's not a plus outfielder he's more of a dh and so you have a you kind of got too many dhs there um as far as the catcher position again they try they reached it click reached a deal for wilson Contreras before the trade deadline and it was nick supposedly by crane i don't know if that was via dusty because dusty wanted to stick with candy candy's having uh maldonado's having off-season surgery right now so you know he's getting up in age for a, especially for a catcher. So are they going to really ride him next year? There's a lot of questions. I, I don't know if I believe the Contreras stuff. Would you resign Yuli? I'm kind of iffy on Yuli. Well, if you resign Yuli, I think it need. I think you need to upgrade at one of these positions. You either know, need to go out and get a plus center fielder that can help you offensively, a plus first baseman who can help you offensively, or a plus catcher that can help you offensively. You have to yeah, do I'm one totally of those positions. They just have to decide which one it is. But you have to get a major improvement in one of the. I, I think first base would be the easiest way to do that, but we'll see. Yeah, I like to see is is Contreras good defensively. I know he got a stick on him. Well, he I, I, he's not. He's not what these other guys are. No, he, he he's not. And and the question about him is what kind of leader and how does he deal with calling pitches and handling pitchers and you know I think we undervalue how important that is on a team that wins with pitching and defense. Yeah, I mean, I just love to see us that. We need one more bat. We yes. can't just rely on the five guys we had for the World Series. I, I agree. I'm with you. I I love to see us get a better center fielder first, then maybe worry about catcher, and then maybe worry about first base. I mean, first base is probably the easiest of the three to get. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of leaning that way. Uh, but I, we, we, we will see. And you know what? He might not have to wait long. In the next week or so, something might happen. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. Take a timeout. We'll be back. Hope Riley wasn't listening. Welcome back to the game. Want to remind everyone to join the game clubhouse if you have not also done that. 
by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where you could win $150 gift certificate to Cypress Bayou Casino or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. You can't win any of these great prizes if you don't join the Game Clubhouse. So do so today by going to 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's easy. So sign up today. Again, um, I'm guessing, trying to read between the lines, that Superman Mark Ingram may be back for the Saints. We'll see. If not, why would they cut two Kind of practice squad running backs. Of course, they added another practice squad running back in David Johnson, who they looked at during the summer and decided not to sign. And to the best of my knowledge, he hasn't played anywhere this year. I sure seems like you could have just kept Latavius Murray two years, not this season, last season, and you wouldn't be going through all of this. I, I just... Again, I, I'm I'm not as far to coach as so many people are, as, as quick to do that. Um, you know, I, some things I'm not as critical. You know, I've not been an Andy Dalton guy from day one. I wanted no part of that guy. Uh, and he's done okay. Uh, like we said, or, you know, earlier in the week, he's done better than I thought he would. But still, I mean, it's just enough. So hopefully Jameis plays. But the running back situation to me is just – the injury situation and the running back situation is just it's inexplicable how bad it's you know it's been and and why it keeps doing I, I don't know. That's it for the hour number one. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Again, we'll be speaking high school football in the next segment with Brobridge head coach Zach Lockard. And so... um. We'll get them again. The Tigers are 28C, went up to number five seeded Carroll, got the the W, and they're hosting, I believe Iota's the 12th seed, uh, 12th seeded Iota on Friday night, and one of 21 Acadiana area teams still alive in the high school football playoffs in the second round or regional round. And um, it's at least this year, all the rounds are the same. You know, a lot of people are upset about the way and the process of this new kind of bracket. But last year, at least this year, like whether you're a select school or non-select school or whatever, everyone's playing in the same round of the playoffs. Like last year, there were times where somebody, some teams were in the regionals, some teams were in the quarters. I mean, for um, an old fat man like me, that can get confusing. So it's best I, I, at least everyone is in the same round. You know, you got to look at the bright side of some of this stuff, and that's kind of that's kind of where I, I I like to do it. So we'll be talking some high school football, and until then, before and after that conversation, 
certainly feel free to call in and talk about whatever you would like. I mean, I I got to believe, be, I guess because, I guess because I want I want it to be so bad, I'm, I might be playing a little bit too much of this report. You know, when, 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 we, when we got a report on Monday that the, the Saints are considering a quarterback change, like why would that even come out unless it's going to happen? You would think anyway. Why would it come out unless it's going to happen? Um, but just ask yourself. Now, again, I understand there are, there are guys out there all of a sudden, a bunch of huge Andy Dalton fans. Didn't know we had so many Andy Dalton fans in this area. I didn't hear all this. I mean, I guess we heard some Andy Dalton stuff in the summer before the season started. But all these Andy Dalton, everybody wants Andy Dalton. I'm like, oh, please, no. But um, at least from my perspective, it just think about, think about, How much more excitement, like the season is is over, essentially. So, essentially, there's nothing to get excited about to watch the Saints play, unless you're just like me, a diehard fan, and anytime they run out there, you're excited. Now, that is when I say excited, I should say interested. Like, Maybe it's not – maybe you're like, oh, I don't like this matchup. This is all – like last week, I kept hearing about how they were going to beat the Steelers, and I'm saying uh, the Saints have half a football team. The Saints are coming off a physical Monday night game where they got thrashed, and the Steelers are 11-4 and four under Tomlin in games after a bye, and they're fresh, and they're playing a beat-up, tired team in Pittsburgh – how is this going to turn out well? I just, all last week, I'm like, uh, this is a real, like the Saints are, are struggling anyway because they have half a football team. You know, they, they weren't really fielding a competitive team last week. Then they were like playing, they did, they have historically kind of owned the Steelers. So that gave me a glimmer of somewhat of a hope. But it was going to take a plus two or a plus three because they just they were not going to compete on the line of scrimmage with the Steelers. That was not going to happen. And um, and so the circumstances were bad. Now the circumstances for this game are not as bad. So one, you feel like you got a fighting chance to win this game. It's kind of funny that you know everybody's talking about how the Saints are total trash and they and they are not playing well. They they were a favorite to win last week and they were the fa- and they're the favorite to get to it this week, which is. I mean, this week, I guess I kind of get. Last week, that was just stupid. Like, the Saints should have been like 10-point underdogs in that game. And I know you don't get a – I know that's exaggerating a little bit because the NFL, you don't get a lot of double-digit dogs. But uh, Saints should have been a double-digit dog. I mean, I know the Steelers are not good, but they were fresh and the Saints were – I mean, that just that, – that was just an awful circumstance game. But anyway, at least you have if, – if they announce that Jameis is going to start – at least the interest meter should go straight up. If not, you're just running in place. Like, what are you even doing with it? Like, Andy Dalton did. They're just – look, there are a lot of people that want to fire Dennis Allen. I get that. I can't believe he's as stupid as he sounds. There's just no way. I just – I just don't believe he's that stupid. I just don't. I mean, he's been around too long. Now, some guys are coordinators and they're not leaders. I get that. 
But I can't believe he's as weak-minded and as feeble as he sounds when he talks in these post-game press conferences, in the, in the Monday press. I just can't believe it. But even if he is, um, I, I'm going to be a lot more willing to listen if he starts Andy Dalton anymore this season. I mean, that that's just got to go. I mean, it's just got to go. Uh, hopefully, um, that happens. But, and again, if you're a, if you are a, I mean, if you're a Saints hater, then who cares? It, that you, you know, it, you are what you are. But if you're, if you're a fan of the Saints, well, how can you not be more excited or interested in on, on what could happen? Um, you, 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 you're at least accomplishing something by playing J- Jameis. You're not accomplishing anything by playing Andy Dalton. Nothing. Uh, so it just it just needs to happen, and it better happen. We 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 will see. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. Um, so we've got I, – I, I use the term circumstance games a lot. And we talked about it with, with Koki in the last hour with LSU. You know, kind of – I don't know that it's a – it's not a full-fledged circumstance game, but there's some interesting coaching decisions – that could be made based on that. And we talked about that with the Cajuns as well. Uh, listening to the players yesterday, they don't sound like they're blinking. Like, one of the things that, I don't know, I, I don't know if you call it a theme. or Obviously, guys like Braylon Trahan, who have won a lot of games in a Cajun uniform in recent years, you know, they were not Chris Smith, guys like that. That They were not not angry, but just very disheartened and upset. And mad. Uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know if mad's the word, just heartbroken or whatever. You could tell it really got to him when they lost to Rice. And then the Monroe loss was just, oh, just a huge gut punch. So they've... Um, they know they've had a couple really nice games since then. They, they the Marshall game was really nice. The uh, Georgia Southern win was really nice, really complete performance. So they've had some good performances. Even the South Alabama game, they didn't win that game, but they played. They had a really good and encouraging second half. Uh, so there were some good things that happened in in, in that game. Uh, obviously, they played what three good quarters against Troy, and then one devastatingly bad quarter. Um, against Troy. So they um I think they're looking at this as a way to kind of wipe out that disappointment. I mean that that's kind of what they're thinking. Like they're it's a two-pronged thing for the Cajuns going into these final two games. One, we're trying to eliminate some of these frustrating and bad memories from some of these losses by one getting to a bowl and man, if you could pull off a big upset of Florida State, then that would kind of give them something really special to hang their hat on on their, you know, as their careers come to a close. Plus, you'd get bow eligible at the same time, so you would, you know, it would be the daily double for them. So I think they're thinking that way. I think I think they're thinking that the coaches and especially like this, the players and the, the seniors on this team, 
more than a lot of the media and the fans probably are. Like they're thinking, man, this is a this could really be a special go out of our season and, and, and it would make it feel like it would resurrect kind of like the big overall theme and what they've accomplished as a team. I, I just think it's difficult to do that where a team that can really put up points. Like now turnovers are the great equalizer. We know that. Turnovers are the great equalizer in sports. So um, it's not supposed to be real cold, so I don't know that the weather's going to impact this game much at all. And so they just have to hope that they, one, don't turn it over, play really well, which, you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Now, one thing that they've done in recent weeks is start fast. They're going to need to do that again um, and not and find a way to not turn it over. The problem with not turning it over is are they going to really be able to run the ball? Now, the last couple of weeks they've run it much better, but are they going to be able to run it at Florida State? And if they can't run it at Florida State, I think it's going to be a lot tougher to protect the passer because when, 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 you, when you talk to Coach Dez or we, or we interviewed him, we get it one more chance today, but talk to him on Monday – Obviously, he said the whole team is talented, but but the two areas that he mentioned when I asked him that question the most was the defensive line. I mean, there's being talented, and then there's being like maybe a cut above talent wise. Like, what are the most, what are the best areas of the football team? The two things that he mentioned was the defensive line and the safeties, which both of those obviously have a huge role in stopping the run. So that is my biggest concern. If they can't stop the run. Are they going to be able to get any kind of drunk? If they can't run the football, I'm talking about the, the Cajuns, are they going to be able to control the clock without running the football? You can do that with a short passing game, but that makes it a lot more difficult, one. And two, can you protect the passer without running the football? And if you can't protect the passer, then avoiding turnovers is a lot more difficult to do. I mean, you're, you know, that is, that is tough. I mean, uh, it's tough to – they need to avoid turnovers, but if you can't run the football, it's going to be hard to avoid turnovers. And so, you know, that that's my number one question going into this. Are they going to be able to – I mean, they, I don't, they're not – I don't – I have zero expectations they're going to run for 200 yards. But can they get two and three yards, four yards, three and four yards, I should say, fairly often – to sustain a drive, if 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 most of your runs are zero, one, and two, man, it's gonna be hard to it's gonna be hard to sustain drives and eat clock like you need to do to keep their offense off the field. So we'll see how that part uh, plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back again, we'll shift gears to high school football. Talk with Brobridge head football coach Zach Locker next on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Medicine season. Medicine season. Now, a season in which a college or professional sports team suffers a disappointing season due to injuries or fluky incidents. Also known as paying the piper. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game we have with us. 
Brobridge High head football coach Zach Lockhart. How are you, sir? Great to uh, speak with you and um, excited over here in, in Tigerland for round two of the playoffs. I can imagine. Before we get to what big thing y'all accomplished last week and, and, and Friday night's matchup, you know, I'm sure uh, going to a new school is, is new and it's exciting, and yet there's a lot of work to do. Take us back to the beginning, and 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 how long did it take for you and your team to kind of get on the same page? And and just how much fun has this season been for y'all? Oh man, it's been it's been a ton of fun, and we've seen a ton of growth. I'm so proud of our our players and our coaches. You know, we've got a great administration and, and staff here. This is a really great football community with a lot of uh, tradition um, of success. And, you know, uh, getting here, I hit the ground running. You know, we, we began workouts uh, towards the end of the spring and worked hard all summer long and, uh, and competed and, and pushed these guys, you know, academically first and in the weight room and, and uh, you know, throughout the season – Sorry, our, uh, about school. They're doing announcements here. No, I understand. Sorry about that. Okay. So, but but anyway, you know, we've been pleased and we've uh, grown and learned more about uh, about each other uh, and who we are week to week, and uh, we really feel like we're playing our best football right now. Now, so one of the things that's always a challenge to me, depending on who the new coach is, you know, you, you know, they had a new coach last year, so their scheme changes. So how how much uh, did it kind of take, how long did it take to kind of get where the kids are comfortable with the new things that y'all were teaching them? Uh, you know, uh, they, they've done a great job. They've been very, um, you know, receptive and great, great uh, note takers and you know, uh, we've had meetings each day and, and uh, you know, shuffling personnel. We're, we're finding, you know, what makes us uh, the, the best version of ourselves. And, and, yeah, they've had a lot of turnover, you know, with, with uh, three different head coaches in the previous four years, uh, going from a veer offense last year, uh, you know, to now more of a, a, a spread attack. Uh, but the kids have just, done everything we've asked and more uh we really have some good people around here and uh and, and these kids uh are, are some of the best student athletes that, that i've ever been around and, and it's it's a motivated team right now they're playing for a lot you know and um everybody's excited to finish strong you've got some guys on your staff that especially ul football fans around here know quite a bit and 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 Trev Pat and Terrell Finroy, tell us how that's gone and how much uh, their connection with the kids and and you know obviously you knew them prior to but but how, it seems like that has added to the fun of all this. Oh man, I I hands down truly believe that that we've got the best state uh, in or the best staff in the state of Louisiana. You know we've got so much. Uh, you know, on our coaching staff experience, you know, at the highest level, uh, starting with our defensive coordinator, Jonathan Zenon, you know, he was one of the four horsemen uh, here at, uh, at Bro Bridge, you know, a lot of tradition, uh, played at LSU, uh, made the game win and play against Tennessee uh, to win an SEC championship, uh, played in the National Football League and, and has our, our defense uh, performing as one of the uh, best defenses in the state you know we're, we're number one defense in the district right now uh in a really tough uh tough area and district right here that we're in 
Um, you know, then we've got, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Tyrell Fenroy. He's doing a great job as our off- offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, all of those uh, comments that you had made about, you know, how is the offense starting to click and things like that. You know, he's an enormous part. He demands respect, just like uh, Jonathan Zena and the kids respect him and play hard for those guys. Uh, you know, and uh, Coach Fenroy played at the very highest level. He was a Doak Walker Award uh, finalist for the best running back in the entire nation uh, and, and played in the NFL uh, as well. So those two coordinators, I'm extremely blessed, and I don't have to watch over their shoulders at all. All uh, right. Then you've got right. two other guys that uh, that played for me at uh, three other guys that played for me when I was a grad assistant coach at UL uh, in Trevor's Pat, who played at uh, Broad Bridge also uh, and was a standout uh, performer at, at UL. Larry Pettis, uh, same deal, standout performer at uh, UL. Remain Douglas, also uh, standout performer uh, at, at UL. All right, so when y'all when the bracket came out and you started and you saw that you were going to be go- making a long trip to Monroe and playing the five seed Carol, what did y'all see on film that made you think, well, you know what, this is obviously a pretty good team, but we match up here and here, and and we think we can win this game. Uh, you know, uh, first off, you know, Carol had had a, a a really good team, you know, so we. We respect all of our opponents, no matter what their record is, you know, but we really talk to our guys about fearing no one. So we don't care if we're playing the Green Bay Packers or the uh, sixth grade school of the blind girls. Uh, We're going to respect everyone and fear no one. Uh, But Carroll had some spectacular uh, athletes and were really well coached and and were eight and one, uh, you know, prior to uh, uh, our, our game against them. Um, you know, but I just think that we really focused on being the best version of us, and we've tried to do that week to week, uh, and really focus on um, focus on us and keep the uh, keep that the focus. So, what were the like the key performances or the key, as the matchups played out in the game? What was the thing that allowed you to win? Uh, you know, our running attack really um, blossomed. Uh, Antonio Alexander, our uh, you know, our, our captain, our four-year starter, he's a two-way player. Um, you know, just just one of the best kids I've ever coached. Uh, you know, he scored two rushing touchdowns and had a good day running the football. We were able to control the clock a little bit, control the field position. Uh, we made some big plays uh, on special teams. Uh, our quarterback, Kelby Hippolyte, uh, played well, got us a, a, our third touchdown, um, you know, and, and it helped us move the ball. All night long. Uh, also, Landon Roberts. You know, all three of those guys uh, are first-team All-District uh, performers, and, and Landon uh, plays both ways, uh, defensive end and running back for us, and he stepped up big. And um, you know, we're just uh, we're just very excited about you know how we're growing as a team. Our offensive line uh, played their best game, and um, you know, we're just trying to uh, uh, improve each day. And uh, we we talk about brick by brick around here just put one brick up at a time all right so now you get to play at home i mean you know how tremendous is that and and you're playing an iota team that i actually got a chance to see a couple weeks ago they got a young quarterback but he throws the ball pretty well and they have four or five you know very capable receivers um what 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 do you see in iota and how does this matchup look 
Boy, I agree with everything you said. They're a really well-coached team. I'm really impressed with the quarterback. He completes almost every ball I see him throw uh, on film, and the receivers uh, are making great catches and getting yards after contact. Uh, You know, just a a team that you don't see on film uh, making many mistakes. Uh, Very well-coached, and we're very, very excited. Uh, It's going to be an exciting night uh, here in the Tiger Cage at uh, at Bro Bridge. we take a lot of pride in, uh, you know, uh, playing um, as hard as we can with relentless effort and passion at home, you know, because it's uh, it, there's so much tradition here in pride. And uh, when, when teams roll down uh, Tiger Lane, we want to make them, uh, make them feel it the next day. All right. So um, is this a game where – how do you um, kind of, as far as the, defending the pass – uh, is that something that y'all have made progress on, and, or how is that going for y'all this year? Uh, you know, because it seems like that's going to be a factor in this game. You know, our uh, defense has uh, ha- has performed tremendously each uh, each week. You know, they they've uh, allowed uh, right around a hundred rushing yards uh, per game, and and not much over a hundred passing yards per game. Uh, you know, so so. We've got the players. We've got the best players on defense. Uh, we prioritize that. We say our number one goal is to play great defense, uh, and that's in all three aspects of the game. Uh, I really believe I was a defensive player that, that defense wins championships. So we, we provide resources to our defense, and they get the best players. And, and uh, in the end of the, the Carroll game, it was them who got us to stop uh, you know, to help us win the game. So I'm excited. They've uh, We've got a great game plan, and uh, these guys are practicing uh, very hard and very focused so far this week. I didn't bring the bracket with me, so just inform me if you would. Obviously, all your focus is on IOTA, but the winner of this game plays who? Uh, the, uh, the winner of this game is going to uh, play the winner of um, – of, uh, Cecilia and North Dakota. Wow, couldn't that be a lot of fun? Yeah, but we, uh, you know, it's with brick by brick around here. We, we're not <laughs> right. even looking one bit uh, right. past this week. All of our focus is on IOTA, and uh, and we're excited uh, to give them our very best. And and we know, uh, you know, we're, we're going to continue, uh, and and week by week, we're going to put together our best plan. Well, and all of that makes uh, sense and as it should be. Look, Coach, we really appreciate your time and congratulations on a fun season, it sounds like, and a great victory, and good luck on Friday. Thank you so much. God all right. bless you. all have a great one. Take take care. Coach Zach Lockard at um, Bro Bridge, and, if, and I'm sure if you heard, like, you know, he, he spent some time as an assistant coach, graduate assistant around at UL uh, under Coach Hud, and so he, he's been around – um, you know, any, any, and you did, you know, there, you mentioned Jonathan Zenon, who was obviously an, a great high school football player and a really, really, really good college player and, um, uh, played on, you know, great teams at LSU and, um, and, and then obviously Terrell Finroy, you know, before he got here, the Cajuns running the football was not something our elite running backs is not something the Cajuns had ever really had. And Finroy, you know, set all kind of records. And so, no, he's got some a lot of college ex college football players on his staffs, and uh, congratulations to Bro Bridge. And when you're a 28 seed and you get to host in the second round, 
man, you feeling good. Like it's kind of been a little bit of an uphill climb all year long, but all of a sudden, man, this is the second round of the playoffs. We just got to win. And we're, you, you, you essentially become a five to five seed. I mean, when you're the 28 team and, and, and it's almost better because the five seed, well, the five seed would still be would would still be hosting in this case, but a lot of times if there's a you know the five seed might be traveling, but you're a 28 seed, you you essentially get the bracket of the five seed and you're hosting. So uh, man, pretty good deal. We'll see what happens. It's one of three games in the Acadiana area on Friday night where you have two teams from the Acadiana area playing against one another. This Brobridge Iota game we were just talking with Coach Lockhart about, but also Acadiana and Karen Crow. Uh, really high high profile game between two area teams, and then also at Norfamillion, we talked yesterday. We interviewed Coach Blakey, and Norfamillion as the twenty three seed is hosting seven seed Church Point. So lots of um, lots of good football matchups this week. Second round, regional round of the high school football playoffs. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back with more. Open up phone lines again. Footnotes on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, Lyle Lovett tickets. Lyle Lovett and the Acoustic Group are coming to the Hyman Performing Arts Center on Friday, February the 24th. You don't want to miss it. Pre-sale tickets go on sale today. They started at 10 a.m., about 35 to 40 minutes ago. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and use pre-sale code Lyle, L-Y-L-E. Once again, you can get your pre-sale tickets today at the Hyman Performing Arts Center. Visit Ticketmaster.com and use pre-sale code Lyle. All right. Again, we uh, appreciate Coach Locker coming on. And high school football, it is, um, so, you know, we talk about it when there are big games here and there, but it's the playoffs. So we Done a couple of interviews this week. Some of the teams that have made news as 20-something seeds that got big wins on the road, and now they get to host in Norfamillion and Brobridge. But again, lots of teams in the Cadiana area. 21, in fact, are still participating in the, in the regional round of the playoffs. And um, we've got, I mentioned the ones where we've got teams playing it against one another, area teams playing against one another. But if you have not paid attention, but you are a high school football fan, uh, again, there are 10 games in the Cadiana area at home on Friday. So lots to choose from. You've got in in the non-select Division One bracket, you've got the 13 seed North Shore, 8-3 and three on the season playing the District 3-5A champion Southside Sharks. And, of course, you can hear all of Southside games here on Mustang 107.1 FM. They play their home games at St. Martinville. Most of you probably know that by now, but they're the four seed. They will be at home. Westgate 
the returning 4A state champions, is now in this non-select Division One bracket. They're the 10 seed, and they're going to seven-seeded Slidell. So I'm assuming Hannah, who went to Slidell, was pulling against Westgate. Man, I, uh, I don't know if when she got Coach Ryan Antoine on Raymond's show Monday. I don't know if, if, if she told him that, but she did go to Slidell, so she's got some allegiance there. Select Division One bracket, obviously, you've got the nine-seeded Acadiana Reckon Rams, eight and three, against number eight, Karen Crow. And looking down the road, you know, they're going to play the one seed, probably Warren Easton. Warren Easton is a team that scores a lot of points and gives up a lot of points. So that whoever wins that game, uh, either the Rams or the Bears, and again, when they play, when, what, three weeks ago now, week nine, I guess that's two weeks ago now, um, the Kadiana won 21-20, if you remember. So it was a really close game. And both offenses kind of went up and down the field in the first half. And in the second half, the two defenses dominated. So I wonder, because they run similar offenses, because you've got, you know, a lot of similarities between the two teams. And because they just played two weeks ago, I kind of think the defenses are going to know what's going on. Not going to be a lot of secrets, and it's probably going to be more of a defensive game, but we'll see. But the point I'm getting to is either way, you know, Acadiana and Karen Crow against most other teams score a lot of points. And... They're going to be playing a team that doesn't play the Veer very often, not going to be nearly as familiar with the Veer and Warren Easton. So that could be a really high-scoring game. And if you get a few turnovers, you know, who knows what's going to happen there as far as who the one seed is in that bracket. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Other home games, St. Thomas Moore coming off a bye. will play a 5-6 and six Helen Cox team. Good luck to Helen Cox. La- Lafayette Christian is the sixth seed. They're playing at home against McDonough, 35, who's 8-3 and three in this season. And Turlings is the two-seed, and they're playing 5-5 five and five Carver. You know, Carver played McDonough a couple weeks ago. I was looking that up, and, and that was a one-point game. So I don't know that there's a whole lot of difference between those two teams. Um, McDonough, who's an 11-seed, and Carver, who's a 15-seed. So we'll see. I think most people think STMLCA and Turlings are going to win. Got to play the games. We will see. Already mentioned Brobridge. Opelousas, very interesting matchup. You know, we talk about experience. This Opelousas team is the three seed, and we talked, I don't know, four, five, six weeks ago, something like that. We got a chance to – we interviewed Coach Zachary on the show, and he's done a fabulous job with his team. He's 9-1 and one on the season. They've won nine in a row because they lost their first game at a very good Turlings team, and they played Turlings pretty well in that game. And I remember Coach Chaponche telling me then, man, this Opelousas team's all better than y'all think, he, y'all, y'all think it is. And he was correct. Here we are nine weeks in the second round of the playoffs, and they are um, they are rolling. They got a first-round bye – and they play a Lakeshore team coached by Brent Indes. So, well, and they're nine and two on the season. The fourteen T. We'll see how that goes. We've already talked about North Vermillion. Notre Dame is the three seed. Got a bye, and they're playing Lake Charles College Prep. I remember when I saw that Catholic High. It's like, hmm, that's not a great draw for Catholic High. They play it. That's not the kind of nineteen seed you want to play in Lake Charles College Prep. Got a lot of 
phys- a lot of talented athletes on that team, and they're five and six, and they play a pretty tough schedule. So I don't think this is a great – I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm not predicting Notre Dame to win, but this is not uh, – I'm sure Notre Dame was like, hmm, I'd rather – this is not the best 19 seed you could get here. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, the other home games that we've got – well, only one more. Vermeer Catholic, the one seed hosting Cedar Creek. And, you know, VC has just been thrashing everyone. I mean, that, they've just been thrashing everyone. And so uh, I don't know. I don't know that Cedar Creek's going to be able to do much with VC. I kind of expect that. to VC's undefeated on the season. Their defense has hardly given up any points all season long. Uh, so I don't. That would be that would be shocking if that didn't happen. As far as some of the road games, Opelousas Catholic. I think again. I said this earlier this week. One of the more interesting matchups because OC has not had a lot of playoff success. They 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 get to the playoffs a lot. Ha, haven't had a lot of playoff success in recent years. But they have. Even though they're the 15 seed at eight and three, they got off to a rough start and they've played fabulous down the stretch. So I. I, I'm I'm very anxious to and Central Catholics played really nice this season. They've had a really nice season and uh they didn't beat VC, but no one's beaten VC. And um so I'm anxious to see that matchup. Ascension Episcopal uh got a you know, they had a nice comeback to the season and they're playing at St. Charles. Really tough opponent there. Abbeville is going the number one seed at Iowa. Uh again, another tough opponent, another interesting matchup, St. Martinville. Similar to an Ascension Episcopal in that they got lost a lot of games early, similar to OC. Lost a lot of games early, but they've been on a roll down the stretch. And, you know, that St. Martinville district, Abbeville's in that district, Erath's in that district, Kaplan, though that district might end up, might be a little better than some of, some people were thinking because Erath had a nice win on the uh, last week. Um, and, you know, their ERAS having to go to undefeated West Feliciana, that, that's a really bad draw. And, and Iota got a nice win on the road at Brewing last week. So that district turned out to be, a, I think, maybe even a lot better than some people thought going into that season. But St. Martinville, if I'm Lutcher, Lutcher's 10-1. and one, They're in a sixth seed. But if I'm Lutcher, I'm not excited about drawing St. Martinville. You know, I don't know. If St. Marvel's going to play enough defense to win that game, but I, again, they've they've got arguably the best running back in the Cadiana area, and and they've got one of the best wide receivers in the Cadiana area, and Xenon, their quarterback's plenty capable of getting them the ball, and they've got a, a really good number two receiver in Cullen Charles, so their offense is really explosive, St. Martinville. So we'll see if they play enough defense, and that that could be. I would not be shocked if St. Martinville beat Lutcher. But again, when you're playing at home, you're ten and one on the season, you gotta you gotta you obviously a pretty good chance to win that game as well. So it's kind of a rundown of the Oh, Lorville's the one team I didn't mention. Had a nice win last week. They gotta go to St. James. So again, we've got some teams that are got who are playing well, but have some really tough road games. In Abbeville, in Lauraville, OC, even St. Martinville, uh, Erath, some really tough road games. We'll see how that plays out uh, on Friday. So I, I haven't made up. I got to tell you, uh, I there I did not guess right in the first round. 
I normally guess how many teams I think you're going to – I did not say 21. I think my number was like 17, I think it was, when I predicted. And so I, the Acadiana area outdid my expectation in the first round. And um, I haven't yet predicted out of these 20 – well, there are 18, 21 teams, 18 games. I, you know, how many teams do I think are going to be left? Well, we know for sure there's going to be three left. Because, you know, no matter which way you go, an Acadiana team, area team is going to advance in those three games. But I, but I got to tell you, I, I think there's going to be more than I would have thought when, when it started. But we'll see. No, it's, it should be a lot, got a lot of home games, 10. So that, that's good. If you're playing at home in the second round, normally you win. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some road teams that win. But uh, you, you feel pretty good about your, about your chances. And we'll see how that plays out should be you know Katiana area I didn't think at the beginning of the year that we had as many powerhouses as many sure shot you know in recent years you you felt really good about Acadiana making like the state finals don't feel as good this year about that you feel really good about St. Thomas Moore making the state finals they're they're having a fabulous season but going into the year you didn't really think they were kind of a sure shot uh, this year, of course, you, and when the season started, you didn't even know what the brackets were going to look like. But, uh, you know, LCA's been an almost a lock to get in, moving up to, to to 4A. You didn't really think they were a shoe-in to get in. So I, I didn't know that we had any, quote, unquote, shoe-ins. Overwhelming favorite teams to get to the state finals this year. But, you know, VC's always good, but, man, they seem like they're extra good this year. But right now... You know, there's more. It seems like there's more of a chance. You feel better about getting two or three teams in the finals. Remember, it's you got to go back to 1994 since the Acadiana area team didn't have a team, a football team playing for a state championship. 1994, and uh, at the beginning of the year, I was like, hmm, that might come to an end this year potentially. But the way it's looking now, I feel a whole lot better of getting at least one, if not two or three, in the finals. But you got to win the game first. We'll see how it plays out. All right, that'll do it for this segment. We'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out today's show. Footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Welcome back. Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Obviously, we talked a lot of football today. We talked with Koki Riley. We talked LSU football. We talked some high school football, interviewed Coach Lockard. But we've also talked a little baseball. And I know the season's over, but and personally, I kind of wish they would wait a little bit, like to where, you know, like if you're like the Astros and you've won the World Series, that you get to kind of just relish it for a few weeks before they start all this. I mean, the day after, it's like so-and-so's going here and so-and-so's signing here, and here's the Astros' top free agent. I don't know that any of it was true, but the Astros' top free agent sign. I mean, can we just enjoy winning the World Series for a week or so? No, it just starts right away. So uh, mentioned earlier, Teoscar Hernandez was tr- ex-Astro, Teoscar Hernandez was traded from the Toronto Blue Jays to the Seattle Mariners and also took place since yesterday's show ended, Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson had, in terms of 
the average baseball fan even knowing who he was to what his preseason expectations were to what he did might have had the best season in all of Major League Baseball. Now, again, I'm I'm not saying he did better than, like, you know, obviously everybody knows who Justin Verlander is, and supposedly tonight he's going to win to Cy Young. But, look, how many pretty average to above average Major League Baseball fans even know, knew very much about Tyler Anderson at all coming into the season? And he's not new. He's like 30-something thing. He's 32 years old. He's not real old. He's always, you know, he's been in the major leagues for a while, but he's never really done anything. I mean, he's been okay, but nothing special. But he was just incredible for the Dodgers, the Punks this year. Went 15 and 5 with a 257. And, you know, the, the Punks had all, they won a million games, but they didn't have a lot of healthy pitching. And, and he just, him and Urias were just great this year. He signed with the little MVPs. The Punks gave him a 19 million plus point two or whatever it was, a little over 19 million dollar qualifying offer for one year. He said no to the 19 million, and he signed a three year 39 million dollars deal with the little MVPs. So, what that tells me, you know, I, <clears throat> he turned down less money for next year to get three years guaranteed. And I guess when you're 32, 33, I think he's somewhere right in there, 32, 33, and you're not like a frontline guy, you take the 39 million. I guess. I mean, I, you know, in other words, instead of betting on himself, he kind of said, well, let me get a little security here. <laughs> Again, I, I can't blame the man for that. But he signed a three years, $39 million deal with the little MVPs. Now, Something tells me he's not going to do better than 15 and 5 with a 257 ERA playing for the little MVPs. Um, and for those of you who don't know who that is, that's the Angels. Um, but again, here they go again, trying to add pitching. They, they've tried before signing guys who are coming off successful season, and it never seems to work out for them. I don't, you know, I can't explain all that. Like, you know, obviously a lot of it has to, I guess, has to do with coaching. Um, you know, the Astros get a lot of guys with with less credentials or less coming off worse years. Not too many people had a better year than Tyler Anderson this year on the mound as a starting pitcher. Not too many. Uh, and the Astros get guys come in worse than it, and, they, and somehow they teach them to spin it more or whatever. I mean, they just... They just keep getting better. I, I can't explain it. I mean, Charlie Martin was a journeyman pitcher who had never really had anything above an average season in his whole career. He came to the Astros, and and he's helping them win the World Series. And then he's been an above-average pitcher ever since. Like, they just totally turned his career around. Gary Cole was had, had done more, and it was more highly thought of than Charlie Martin. Don't get me wrong. But he comes to the Astros and he becomes this elite pitcher and then, you know, he gets all this money, signs this unbelievable deal. Um, it's unbelievable what they've done with some of these guys. And um, so anyway, I thought that was an interesting decision that Tyler Anderson made and we'll see how that plays out 
with him going to the little MVPs. Hopefully the Astros can figure out how to rough him up a little bit. It's always fun to beat the little MVPs. All right, I appreciate Coach Locker coming on and Koki as always. Um, we'll see what happens. Y'all have a nice day.